Hello and welcome to this episode of Barnard's on the NBA. I am your host, Matt Barnard, and I'm joined here by my son and co-host, Emilio. Hey, it's Emilio. We're back. Yes, we are. And we're joining you here today for the next installment in our series in which we discuss the best lineups one could put together of NBA players based on where they played in college. And on this episode, we're going to be discussing Georgetown and, and Wig Forest. Wake Forest. And Wake Forest, that's right. So uh, if you don't know by now, the way we do this is we break it down position by position. We uh, start with the center, we move on to power forward, we move on to small forward from there, then shooting guard and point guard. Mm-hmm. So why don't, we, uh, why don't we get right into it with our discussion of uh, the players from, uh, from Georgetown. This is a, uh, qu- quite a position at, uh, at, at Georgetown, um, the center spot. Where did, you, uh, where did you go, Mills? Yeah, so there's a lot of good big men from there. And I, for th- the center, I chose Patrick Ewing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's hard, hard to argue. I mean, uh, uh, Patrick Ewing, an incredibly productive career, never got over the hump, never won a, uh, an NBA title, but uh, was banging on the door. Um, number one overall pick back in uh, 1985 in one of the most impactful drafts of all time. A uh, guy who, uh, yeah, got to two finals, uh, played a long storied career with the Knicks. I mean, growing up in New York, he was the, uh, the, the biggest basketball star in the city for a long time. Uh, wh- uh, what else can you say about, uh, about Patrick Ewing? Um, he's 11 time all-star, um, rookie of the year, 85, 86, seven time All-NBA. Yeah. I mean, a hall of famer to be sure. And, but he's going up against some pretty stiff competition at center for uh, Georgetown. Uh, before we move on to uh, power forward, is there anybody else who you considered only at center who didn't make this team? I mean, there, there are some pretty top notch players. Dikembe Mutombo. Yeah. Dikembe. I mean, it's, it's tough leaving him off. Uh, one of these teams. I mean, this guy had an unbelievable career, a long career. Mount Matumbo, I mean, one of the most iconic players of his era with his classic uh, finger wags, his awesome defense, and his consistent wearing of uh, the magic number, 55. Yes. Um, there's also Alonzo Mourning, but I think I was able to put him, I think I'm able to put him at the power forward. Okay. Yeah, so let's transition right into that. So uh, tell me about why you thought that was a move you could make here. I don't know. He's just not the tallest of all the – he's just, like, not the tallest of all those guys. And, um, yeah, I just think I – he's, um, yeah, 6'10", and I think he can play power forward at 6'10". It's interesting to think about because I also put him at power forward because I felt like you got to have more than one of these incredible centers on this team. Yeah given how many of them there are. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's only 6'10", so shorter than Dikembe and Patrick. I don't know that his game would really work as a power forward now. The guy didn't shoot that much, and especially not from three, but the right kind of size uh, for a power forward relative to, to Ewing and Matumbo, and I agree. you got to try to get him in there. This guy played a long time. Yeah, Millie was pointing out that he, he's listed on basketball reference, which we – very much appreciated and used in every episode. That's an essential tool for us. He's listed as a power forward during a part of one season uh, as his primary position. So not a position he played that much in, in reality, but he's going to find his way to the power forward and on both of our teams here. 
How about at, uh, at Small Fort? Which direction did you go there? I actually went without O'Porter. Yeah, interesting. So this is a guy whose career is still underway. A guy who was the number three overall pick in the draft not too long ago, back in 2013. What can you tell me about uh, Otto Porter? Um, he is an okay player. I mean, Bubba O. These are two of his nicknames, as listed on Basketball Reference. Yes. Um, played with the Wizards for a while, then went to um, Balls. Yeah, he hasn't gotten a chance to play that much with the Bulls yet. He's been no. dealing with injury issues for a bunch of the past two years. But I, I agree. I mean, I picked Otto Porter here as well. I think he's got he's – he's a clear-cut three. And yeah, a, yeah, yeah. And a guy who's been very productive in the NBA so far. I mean, you know, look at some of his uh, his three-point shooting numbers. They're really fantastic. I mean, he's, had, he's you know, a 40% three-point shooter for his career – with the kind of size that he offers on the wing at a, at a small forward and a six, eight guy. And he's only 27 right now. So, I mean, he's still got quite a, quite a future ahead of him potentially. I mean, hopefully he's able to come back from these injury issues that have been hampering him the last couple of years. Yeah. How about a, at a shooting guard? Um, shooting guard. I got, um, Allen Iverson. You have Allen Iverson. That's really interesting. So uh, tell, tell me about uh, why you decided to put him. Well, let's talk about Allen Iverson the player initially, what, uh, what made you, uh, make that selection? I know he's a great player. I mean, whole famer, four time scoring champ, 11 time all-star yeah. two time AS MVP. Uh, all-star game MVP. Yeah. I mean, he, he was a force uh, to be sure. I mean, this guy, a number one overall pick, despite, you know, being a six foot, you know, 165 pound guy. I mean, not the kind of physical profile you would expect for, the number one overall pick in the NBA, but you know this guy was the answer. I mean, he uh, he got to the basket, did what he wanted, took a lot of shots, was given a lot of opportunity to take shots in uh, in Philadelphia. I would be remiss to not mention that this guy, uh, personally, not not one of my favorites, traded um, to the Pistons for my favorite player of his era, Chauncey Billups. Um, and was a total failure with the Pistons. So that was uh, that, that was one of one of the worst moments of my uh, my life as a, uh, as a as a Piston fan, learning that uh, Chauncey had been traded for uh, a washed up Allen Iverson. The guy was already in Denver at that point, but I think clearly has to be on this team. He actually made it at point guard for me, but I wonder whether we didn't switch around our our, our uh, two guards here in uh, in evaluating this team. So where'd you, where'd you go at point guard? Um, I went with um, Sleepy Floyd. Yeah, the, the, and I went with the shooting guard. So I, I think you know, one way or another, we, we had the same two guards here. What uh, what what attracted you to Sleepy Floyd? Um, he's a great player. I mean, he was like he averaged. Uh, he was one time All Star only, but like still. Yeah, this guy could really score, right? I mean, like, you know, at, at his best, I mean, this guy was a 20-point-a-game scorer. Um, I know he had some games where he scored 50-plus, uh, right? I think so. Yeah, and, uh, you know, his name, uh, actually not Sleepy. Is Eric. Eric Floyd. Yeah, but he managed to uh, overcome, uh, you know, his, his birth name and be known by Sleepy by, uh, by most for, for his entire career. So, do you have any idea why he was called Sleepy? Um, he looked 
His face looks sleepy a lot. Yeah, he's got a little bit, a little bit of a tired uh, looking face, but uh, certainly plenty energetic on the basketball court and good enough to make this uh, this Georgetown team. Yes. So before we wrap it up on uh, on Georgetown, let's uh, let's talk about any other players who uh, you gave serious consideration to. Well, I was actually just looking at the list, and it's all like Greg Monroe, Roy Hibbert. I mean, they've had an incredible number of top notch centers come out of Georgetown. I mean, those two guys probably being the, the best examples other than those we've talked about already. Uh, Roy Hibbert, a, a really productive NBA player, a guy who's notable for having kind of dropped out of the league really fast after having been quite useful for uh, a long time, really, as, as a, a rim protector, a shot blocker, a defensive force. But the game kind of uh, moved away from him. He couldn't move to uh, defend players on the perimeter and was out of the league real fast. Uh Greg Monroe, kind of similar deal. I mean, this guy was... Still in the league, right? He'd been in the league, until, I think, until uh, the season before the one that just uh, was suspended. But a guy who really just couldn't hang on the perimeter, I mean, as, as a perimeter type of player, a guy who had to get out there, a guy who was a useful scorer and rebounder on some bad Pistons teams, and I was, you know, grateful to have him. I mean, he was productive, helped the Pistons uh, not be even worse, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, a guy who you can't even really consider on this uh, Georgetown team because, uh, I mean, the, the top-end talent is so significant. Yeah. How about any other players who um, who might have caught your eye from the, the Georgetown? Ruan Boomcha. I mean, the name. An, an incredible name. One uh, I've certainly remembered for, you know, since, uh, since he came into the league briefly in the early 2000s and was playing at Georgetown prior to that. Um, yeah, there, I mean, there, there are a lot of a lot of Georgetown alums, for sure. I mean, whether you're talking about uh, Jeff Green, who's still in the league right now. Yeah. A, a guy who's played a lot. I mean, he's fifth all-time in, in games among uh, Georgetown alums. But And there's 45 players who went to Georgetown. Yeah, 45 players who, uh, who, who attended Georgetown. That's right. I mean, including, you know, Jaron Jackson, Mike Sweetney, who was a first-round pick by the Knicks uh, back in uh, 2003. Uh, Michael Jackson. Uh, the pop star actually drafted by uh, by Georgetown or drafted um, from Georgetown in 1986, and uh, some guys who are still uh, still active right now. I mean, um, thinking mostly about uh, Marcus Derrickson. You got any uh, any thoughts on him? Not really. Um, yeah, Marcus Derrickson. Derrickson. I also wondered whether uh, before we uh, wrap up this uh, this segment, whether you had any any thoughts on. Um, on Jarrell Benamon yet? I mean, it might, might be too early, but I'm wondering if, uh, if you, you think he has a chance to crack the list. I know it, it's still early days in his career. He's retired. <laughs> All right. Well, that's our, uh, our our segment on Georgetown. We'll be back in uh, just a moment to uh, chew over the uh, Wake Forest starters. And we're back to uh, continue our discussion. We're, now we're going to be talking about NBA players who attended Wake Forest. We're going to be starting at center. Meals, who do you have as the Wake Forest starting center? Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan. Tell me a little about uh, Tim Duncan. I mean, just got into the Hall of Fame. He's a um, 15-time All-Star, five-time NBA champ. I mean, great player. Absolutely. Drafted into a fantastic situation as the Spurs had been uncharacteristically bad the year before they got the number one pick and were able to take him. He was able to team up 
with David Robinson have success right away in the NBA with the Spurs, landed in a situation where Greg Popovich was his coach, but he did it all. I mean, like he, he, he paid off all that potential, as you said, 15 time, all-star 15 time, all NBA 15 time, all defensive team guy in the hall of fame as of this year, denied uh, the ceremony due to coronavirus and such, but in the hall of fame already, a phenomenal player. I mean, a guy who was amazing in college every step of the way could easily have come out of Wake Forest earlier and maybe in a different era would have been pressured to leave Wake Forest earlier than he did. He stayed all four years at Wake Forest, but a guy who, uh, you know, he paid it all off in the NBA, incredible player, part of some really productive championship level teams, even in the years where he didn't win. And, can't be denied at center on this team. How about at uh, power forward? Which direction did you look there? Um, I went with John Collins. John Collins. I went with him as well. Did John, you go with Tim Duncan too? I went with Tim Duncan as well. John Collins, in the early days of his career still, season this year marred by suspension, which is significant because he's only been in the league for a couple of years, but also someone who's only 22 right now. So, what can you tell me about uh, John Collins? We actually went to see him in person earlier in the year. Yeah, when we saw him in person, actually, we were rooting for the Hawks against the Celtics, and he um, he got injured early in the game after a good start. Yeah, really impressive scorer. Oh, I mean, yeah. this guy can get to the basket and score. He can shoot and score. I mean, like he seems like he's looking for a shot all the time, and a good pairing with him and Trey Young. Would you say? Yes. It'll be really interesting to see how his career progresses from here since, as we said, it's still so early. Yeah, yeah. How about at, uh, at, at small forward? I went with um, Rodney Rogers. Rodney Rogers, me too. Um, so we're, we're in lockstep so far in these Wake Forest picks. What can you tell me about Rodney Rogers? I remember him a little bit from his career. He was a 93 draftee, but what attracted you to him in making the selection? Well, I actually don't know that much about him. He was a sixth man one year, and um, um, I he just we had some success with him in video games. So yeah, so you've seen him uh, show up in those uh, in those contexts. Nuggets, yeah. He was kind of an undersized power forward. Uh, he's listed at six seven, and he looked six seven, but pretty uh, thick. You know, a guy who could uh, throw his weight around a little bit. Power forward and small forward. Yeah, he played, played both positions. I think of him more as a power forward, but I think in terms of structuring this team, it makes more sense to get him into the small forward. Yeah. And significantly, in terms of playing small forward, could really shoot the three ball. I mean, he picked up that uh, that skill. I mean, he's like a 35% uh, three-point shooter during his career, but even more significant than that, he would get shots up from three every game. So he's a threat out there. Guy who played in a bunch of different situations, including on – some good teams. I mean, I remember him. I mean, his time with the with the Celtics wasn't long, but that, that was – I mean, I remember being in Boston at the time. Um, he was, uh, I mean, useful player on, on a bunch of uh, successful teams. The field not not super deep at, at small forward for uh, for Wake Forest alums. And notably uh, taken one, one selection before uh, my favorite player in NBA history, dating back to my childhood, uh, Lindsey Hunter who was uh, taken with the uh, the 10th pick in the 93 draft. Rodney Rogers taken with the 9th. Rodney Rogers, a consistent 54 wearer in his career, much like Horace Grant, as we've noted in previous episodes. 
Eh, I mean, like, I'll, I'll, just let him wear fifty-four. Yeah, I guess that's. I guess that's fine. We can go with that. How about at, uh, at, at shooting guard? If we if we move on to to that. Um. Well. Um. I know you were a little bit um, a little bit curious about this one, but um, you. I told you this one time, and you disagreed with it. So, um, Jeff Teague. Jeff Teague at the two. I also chose Jeff Teague upon further reflection. So why don't you uh, let me in on some of your uh, thought process and I can uh, follow up with mine. I just, I really looked into this one. I mean, I looked at a bunch of different players like Ish Smith and all those guys. I just like, there wasn't a good sh- actual shooting guard. So I had to go with him. Yeah, I tend to agree. I, I think you're, you're kind of dipping significantly further down into the quality of players if you go another direction. Obviously, the the guy who plays point guard on this Wake Forest team, who we'll get to in a minute. I mean, pr- pretty obvious where, where we're going with that one. Uh, I think he could. He's probably he's certainly a better shooter than Jeff Teague, and probably would be a better off ball player than Jeff Teague. But he's also nicknamed the Point God because he's one of the best point guards in NBA history. So it's not like you can really bump him off the point. And we're talking about uh, Chris Paul, of course. So I also had Jeff Teague at the, at the two. I think that's less than an ideal fit. But when you look at the other options, and we'll get to those uh, as we wrap this up, uh, he's 6'3". I think he would at least be something of a threat off the ball if you you know played him around the perimeter or something like that. So I went with Jeff Teague as well. Uh, so let's get to that uh, that point card we were just mentioning. Well, Chris Paul, I mean, I don't really think we need to talk about it that much. No, uh, other than to like run down some of his uh, phenomenal credentials. This is one, one of Six-time steal champ yeah i mean uh, a, a menace in in every way and I mean, four-time assist champ 10-time all-star yeah and i think those those numbers kind of even undersell uh chris paul's impact on the league i mean he's on some teams that were not super competitive for parts of his career but a, a guy who at 6-1 has i mean is continuing to get it done in the nba at 35 years of age now what can you say? I mean, this, this guy is maybe the second best point guard of all time behind uh, Magic Johnson. I mean, his, his uh, career speaks Steph's to probably the second best. Top top five for sure. Yeah, uh, that's an uh, excellent point. I mean, Steph, Steph's certainly in the mix there too. But uh, Chris Paul, a legend. I mean, a, you know, a guy who's uh, been an innovator in the game in terms of uh, drawing fouls and, and figuring out how to uh, how to work the refs and, and work all, all, basically all the, all, all the edges uh, around the game to maximize his effectiveness. An incredible player, and clearly, clearly the point guard on, on this team would be the point guard on just about any of these college teams that we're putting together. Yeah. So we have our starting five in place. We're in, in lockstep, total agreement on uh, all five guys. Is there anyone else you seriously considered on this list? Any any current players you have your eye on? Ish Smith? Yeah, just a word about Ish Smith. What, what, uh, what attracted you to him? He's a decent player. I mean, undrafted. Yeah, and a solid, solid backup point guard in the league for quite a few years now. I know he he was good with the Pistons when he was there for a couple of years, but has been a solid NBA contributor for a long time at a bunch of different places now. Uh, who else? That's pretty much it. I mean, yeah. I, I think guys like uh, among current players, Alfred Rukaminu and James Johnson certainly deserve some mention. These guys have both been in the league as contributors for a number of years. 
I don't know that either of them has that good of a chance to crack this list, but at the same time, you know, it's not like Rodney Rogers is uh, is providing an enormous barrier at a small forward, and you can potentially get those guys in there. Although I think of them probably a little bit more as fours. Did you uh, think any think at all about uh, Jalen Horde? Well, um, that's it for the. Um... <laughs> no, I, I, I did want to did want to go a little bit further. <laughs> Um, I, I did want to mention uh, Josh Howard, who was a really impactful player on the Mavericks when he came into the league as a scorer. Um, Darius Sangaila, a guy who may not have popped out to you in, uh, in, in looking into this team, but was a uh, quality, um, quality big, I mean, quality uh, power forward type for, for a bit after uh, having a notable college career. Randolph um, Childress. Randolph Childress. Yeah, we were talking about him just recently. I was showing Emilio some uh, some highlights of uh, of his play in college. Yeah, a guy who really was a standout at, uh, at Wake Forest as a as a uh, point guard during uh, Tim Duncan's time. He had a very notable 1995 ACC tournament where he, I mean, ripped rip through the tournament, scoring 40 points, 30 points, and then 37 in the final against North Carolina, in which he had. Uh, one, one of the sickest ankle breaker moves you'll, you'll ever see. And he hit the buzzer. I mean, yeah, a, truly a, an epic performance. Well worth uh, checking out uh, the highlights of that one. Uh, before we uh, move on from the uh, from Wake Forest here, uh, any thought on uh, Dave Bud Bud? Mills is uh, slapping his, his his face in response to that. You Dave Bud Bud. Yeah, it was a little joke. I like to uh, I like to throw those in there uh, periodically. So, um, on the list. Uh, so why don't we run down uh, run down our starting lineups again uh, before we move on here? Both of them. Sure. So for Georgetown, I got center Patrick Ewing, power forward Alonzo Mourning, small forward Otto Porter, shooting guard Allen Iverson, and point guard Flippy Floyd. Wake Forest center Tim Duncan, power forward John Collins. Small forward Rodney Rogers, shooting guard Jeff Teague, point guard Chris Paul. Great. So that, that wraps up our, uh, our segment here on Wake Forest. We'll be back in just a moment to compare these lineups to one another. And we're back to uh, get to the, uh, the breakdown of these, uh, this Georgetown versus Wake Forest team. And um, we forgot to mention Muggsy Bogues for um, Wake Forest. I mean, same birthday as me. Um, shortest player in NBA history, 5'3", and played almost 900 games in the league. I mean, very impressive, Muggsy Bogues. Yeah, I mean, uh, iconic player, really. I mean, you know, the, the, the pictures of him with, uh, you know, standing among NBA players and actually balling out among NBA players uh, for as long as he did. Uh, an, an incredible accomplishment for uh, shorter people everywhere. I mean, like the best 5'3 player, best 5'3 basketball player ever, you'd have to say, right? Muggsy Bogues. Absolutely, no question about it. All right, so let's get down into this uh, in, into this uh, position by com- position comparison between these teams and see how they stack up against one another. So we'll start out with uh, with the centers, where we've got a primo matchup of Georgetown's Patrick Ewing against Tim Duncan from Wake Forest. What do you got here, Mills? I'm going to go with Tim Duncan. Yeah, I think I'll go Tim Duncan too. But I mean, this is a really tough battle for uh, Patrick Ewing to to lose. I mean, think of where he stacks up against uh, other NBA centers and big men all time. 
one of the greats, but he's going up against someone who's even a little bit greater. And that's Tim Duncan, the big fundamental. So the uh, the Wake Forest squad is up uh, one to nothing. How about a power forward where we've got um, Alonzo Mourning from Georgetown and John Collins from Wake Forest? You got to go Alonzo Mourning. I mean, you can't really argue about that one. Much more accomplished player at this point. Yes, John, yes. I mean, it's not really even John Collins' fault. I mean, the guy's 22, so uh, he can't possibly yeah. have accomplished nearly as much as Alonzo. All right, so that'll even things up at 1 1. Uh, at small forward, we've got Otto Porter of Georgetown and Rodney Rogers of Wake Forest. What do you got here? Um, well, I got um, uh, Otto Porter and Rodney Rogers. This one's a close one, but I think I'm going to go with Otto Porter. Yeah, I think I agree with you. Otto Porter, a more well-rounded, more versatile player than Rodney Rogers, has already, I think, achieved at a higher level, like across full seasons than Rodney Rogers did. Certainly a better shooter. You know, different body type. Uh, Otto Porter, a bit more of like a, you know, modern wing in terms of uh, the body type. But, I mean, I think able to defend probably more players in today's NBA. And still has a lot of room to improve as well. Much more of a, like a full-time starter than uh, than Rodney Rogers ever was. So that, that gives uh, Georgetown a 2-1 edge as we head into the shooting guard comparison where we have Allen Iverson for Georgetown and... Jeff Teague for Wake Forest. What do you got here? Well, I got to go Alan Iverson. I mean, AI. Yeah. Can't, can't, really, uh, can't really fight you on this one. Uh, Alan Iverson, an elite scorer, certainly another level of player from Jeff Teague, who's a you know useful point guard in the league, useful starting point guard, but not at AI's level. Yeah, and that gives um, Dorshawn a 3-1 to one lead. Yeah, so now we got uh, we got point guard to, uh, to consider. Chris Paul. Got, yeah, I mean, not really much to say. I mean, as Sleepy Floyd for Georgetown and, uh, and Chris Paul for Wake Forest is obviously going to be Chris Paul, which is going to set up a 3-2 uh, victory when you're looking at these matchups for Georgetown. But do you think that's how it would actually play out if these guys got on the court and ran both? Yes. You think Georgetown would, would be the victors? What's uh, what, what's your logic there? I, I think with uh, with Chris Paul at the point, I mean, it's really going to set up this Wake Forest team for a lot of success. I mean, Chris Paul at the point, Tim Duncan inside, I don't know, Mills. I don't know. I just, I just feel like Tim Duncan's going to get guarded pretty well by Patrick Ewan. Yeah, hard to argue. I mean, this is going to be a, a really excellent matchup, I think. I mean, if these guys were actually to uh, to come together and, uh, and, and ball out. Yeah, what do you think? I think I would probably take Wake Forest, but it's definitely a close matchup. I mean, to me, having Chris Paul running point and having uh, the likes of, um, you know, someone like John Collins who could shoot. I mean, like, basically everybody can shoot here except for Tim Duncan, so you could kind of play, uh, you know, one in, four out kind of uh, setup, and I, I think that would work pretty well with Chris Paul running the show. I mean, I really like my chances. But, I mean, the scoring on, on this uh, on this Georgetown team is going to be significant as well. I mean, Otto Porter can really shoot. Sleepy Floyd can really shoot. Allen Iverson is going to get a lot of shots up for sure. And, obviously, Patrick Ewing is, uh, is, is going to be dominating. or Whatever version of dominating you can do against Tim Duncan, those guys obviously faced off in, uh, in, in reality a bunch during, uh, during their careers as well. They actually faced each other in the finals. Yeah, they certainly did. Did they? Well, this, is, this has been uh, Nick's uh, Nick Spurs. Uh, 99? Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, let, let's move on. Uh, yeah, Tim, Tim Duncan was in the league then, so they, they would have been facing each other in that, in that finals. We could have done a, a little bit more prep on that one. But in any event, um, this has been a really interesting uh, breakdown of uh, Georgetown and Wake Forest. Thank you so much for joining us. We look forward to uh, having you back for our next episode. We'll be breaking down two more college teams. Yeah, and if you're enjoying, please leave a rating, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, we're uh, continuing to uh, get out to more platforms. We're on uh, Spotify, we're on Podknife, we're on Google Podcasts, we're on Breaker, we're on Anchor, and uh, we'll be showing up in more places uh, as the days roll on. Also wanted to mention you can uh, catch us on uh, social media, on Twitter, at Barnards on NBA, all one word, all connected, or uh, by emailing us at uh, barnardsonthenba at gmail.com. We'll look forward to uh, to hearing any thoughts you might have. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. Bye. <laughs>